Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Joe Vukin, and sitting beside me is Dr. Beth Vukin. We are Real Talk with Kids Docs. And now I do want to acknowledge the last podcast I introduced this as Real Talk with Pete Docs. You know, this is, we are starting from the ground up here. Every episode is going to get better and better. So I appreciate you sticking with us, but wanted to call myself out on that. Um, and also, for all of those wondering, there was a crow situation happening in the background. I was recording outside. I am okay. No birds or hosts were harmed in the making of episode two. So uh, rest assured. Um, also, as you guys will become familiar with everybody listening to the legal disclaimer I've got here, we are pediatricians and we have years of experience in different um, settings, but I don't want anybody listening to take this as medical advice. We are not sitting in front of you examining your children. So if you have concerns about your child, please do seek the counsel and advice of a pediatrician of your choosing. Um, I'm excited today to um, chat again with my sister-in-law, Dr. Beth Vukin, and um, I'm going to turn it over to, he to her um, to discuss a, uh, another recurring segment we're going to be having. Um, Beth, what's, what's coming up today? Hi, everybody. So as promised, we've got content that is for everybody. Um, this segment is called Behind the Mask. Uh, one of the things that Joe and I really like talking about is the other side of medicine, the human side, the doctoring side, things that we experience that nobody ever taught us about in medical school and even few people seldom talk about now. Um, those are things like burnout, handling the stress of work, balancing your home and your life. Um, so I'm excited to actually kick this one off with one that's very personal. We're going to catch a big fish here today. This is a big one. Um, I wanted to share something that I had experienced. Um, so I am, I would say, mid-career now, which is like a scary thing to say, I'm mid-career. And I've recently taken a leave of absence. So starting in September, um, I was diagnosed with systemic sclerosis, which most of us learned in med school as scleroderma. Um, I wanted to share my story of diagnosis, both as a patient and as a physician. I had the wonderful opportunity to participate in a live audience healthcare stories production uh, last month. And the audio recording was supposed to be available and I was going to play it here and it was going to be great. And I was so excited to share it. Uh, unfortunately, the audio file was lost. I had really hoped to share the audio recording of a live audience. There were about 350 people there. I had an audience full of friends and it, I just was so happy to share my story. Um, and I like that audience experience. And in the recording, you can hear the audience's reaction. I uh, get pretty emotional during it, but I feel like it came across the way I wanted it to. It, I, you know, my husband actually afterwards asked, like, how did it feel? And I said, I did it exactly how I wanted to do it. Um, so I'm so bummed that the audio wasn't captured, but I'm going to try to capture it again. Good evening, everyone. I'm so honored to be here to share my story, both as a patient and as a physician. I want to talk about what it's like to have unexplained symptoms and how that shaped my relationship with medicine. I want to start off by saying this is not a case of misdiagnosis. This is my story of coming to terms with my own self-doubt and growing up as a child of modern medicine. My story spans 20 years. I'm a pediatrician and a parent, so I'm going to relate my story to a coming-of-age story. It was either that or to liken it to the different eras of Taylor Swift's music and while I know a lot about Taylor Swift's music, I figured the growing up analogy would be more familiar to you. 
I'm going to walk you through how my change in mindset, much like how our mindsets change about our parents as we grow up, help me move through the fear, frustration, and anger that comes with being undiagnosed and then being diagnosed with scary diseases to come to a place of understanding. I want to start by talking about autoimmune disease. If you're comfortable sharing, can I have a show of hands of who in this room has an autoimmune disease? Those are diseases like lupus, MS, inflammatory bowel disease. We're like the poster children of unexplained symptoms, am I right? Now, can I ask you to raise your hand if you know someone with an autoimmune disease? Wow. There are over 100 autoimmune diseases. One in 15 people has an autoimmune disease. These diseases affect multiple organ systems, but are largely invisible. They are lifelong, they're incurable, and we don't understand them. I've been diagnosed with three, two of them being quite rare. So in the world of, if you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras, I think that makes me a unicorn. What is autoimmune disease? Our immune system is our defense. Its job is to seek out foreign things like a splinter or virus and get rid of them. Autoimmune disease happens when a person's immune system mistakes healthy tissue for the enemy and attacks it. What are some of the symptoms of autoimmune disease? Well, there are the vague and there are the weird. Vague means uncertain of character or meaning. You as a patient, you don't know how to describe it. And as a doctor, you don't know what it means. Fatigue, which is extreme exhaustion. Malaise a general feeling of being unwell. Brain fog, which impairs your ability to think. Mood changes, irritability, depression, anxiety. Wait, are you worried you might have an autoimmune disease? Okay, can we add muscle aches, joint pain, neurologic symptoms, GI symptoms, skin changes? And all these things don't happen at once. They come and go over time. Weird, on the other hand means very unusual. They catch people's attention and they're a good clue to a diagnosis. Those are the ones that make TV shows. The average person with autoimmune disease sees six doctors over 10 years before being diagnosed. My whole life I have had vague and weird symptoms. Although the vague ones have affected my life the most, it's the weird ones that got me a diagnosis. The first time I had vague, weird symptoms. I was 20 in a pre-med in college. For months, I was exhausted, but I was trying to get into med school. I fell asleep in all of my classes. I fell asleep while driving and crashed my car. That did not prompt me to see the doctor. The weird symptom did. I developed a purple web-like rash covering my lower arms and legs, livido reticularis. I go to the doctor, I have some tests, I get diagnosed with lupus. In this coming-of-age story as a doctor, I'm a child, and I'm being raised by my parents, medicine. I go to my parents when I'm sick, I get comforted, I get fixed. I think my parents know everything, and I want to be just like them when I grow up. The next time, I'm 24-year-old Beth and a third-year medical student. I'm exhausted. Then the weird rash is back. 
A few months later, another weird symptom. I developed a wrist drop and then a foot drop. Mononeuritis multiplex. This time as a med student, I was like, no problem. I'm surrounded by like a hundred doctors. They're going to figure it out. These people know what they're doing and I'm training to be one of them. It took many months and many tests and many doctors. So like a teenager, I hear what the doctors are saying, but I'm also like, really? Do you have any idea what you're doing? But as healthcare professionals, we know that diagnosis can be a multi-stage process. But I got a diagnosis, polyarteritis nodosa. 20 years go by. These are my doctoring years. Learning from people and their stories and not just from books. Remembering what the textbooks say and then getting frustrated when it doesn't actually happen that way. During that time, my relationship with medicine evolved. I saw over and over that medicine is complicated and we don't always know the answers. I'm a pediatric hospitalist. You know what can get you admitted to the hospital? Prolonged, vague symptoms that no one can explain. Also the weird ones. I've spent my career trying to explain the unexplainable. I've heard over and over, we're not leaving until we know what's going on. And when people hear there is no explanation, they think a few things. Parents think, these doctors don't know what they're doing. Patients think, they don't believe me. They can't help me. Maybe my symptoms aren't real. Doctors question their abilities and they feel powerless to help. And what about me? Was I having symptoms during that 20-year span? Yeah, the vague ones and a lot of weird ones that no one can explain, but at this point I have multiple autoimmune diseases, right? Now I'm an adult here in the House of Medicine and we have conversations about things. With my doctors, we diagnosed me as having major depression and an eating disorder. Talk about doubting my own thoughts and the way I feel in my body. Treatment for those helped a lot. But for the past three years, I felt like there was something wrong. I saw doctors. I asked friends who are doctors. All of my tests are normal. Every single time. Also, my symptoms of fatigue, brain fog, muscle aches, joint pain, those are all diagnosed as being a middle-aged working mom by society. Can I just say that it's really hard to go to the doctor, especially for me as a doctor? When I go to the doctor, I want to be right that I needed to go to the doctor. I don't want to be wrong and worse, not have anything, because then it feels like I don't know enough to know when there's something wrong with me. And I've wasted people's time. Now I'm in that unexplainable category. Mostly, I think my symptoms aren't real. I guess this is stress. This is somatic. I guess I am just tired. Maybe I'm just getting older? I stopped believing myself. Then, aha, two years ago, a weird symptom. My hands got puffy. And my forearms got really tight and swollen. Yes, a physical sign and a weird one. We can figure this out. I read and I think, I have scleroderma. Good thing I have a rheumatologist. 
And I've seen this doctor for years and I message him and he sees me right away. He does a history and an exam. And then he says, now, why do you think you have scleroderma? And I say, well, my hands are puffy and my forearms are swollen. Do you have other things in your differential? Because scleroderma is all I got. To which he said, your hands don't look puffy. Now that was not malintended. It was meant to be reassuring. Like, it's not so bad. Well, we ran a lot of tests and everything was normal or nonspecific. So I fell into the, let's see what happens. And if nothing else turns up, let's repeat labs in a year. Well, I'd already doubted my symptoms so many times. And now I had a physical exam finding, a weird one, and still no diagnosis. This led me to doubt myself even more. To tell myself repeatedly that all my symptoms were just me not being enough. Or maybe things really were all in my head. Medicine could not give me an answer, so I did what we tell patients with unexplained symptoms to do. Let's focus on treatment. Nutrition, movement, stress management, let's do what we can. At this stage, I'm an adult in the house of medicine, so let's think about that adult-child relationship with your parents. Some things you agree on and others you don't. You sort of tread lightly because when you don't agree, you want to be respectful. And also, they probably know more than you. But maybe on some things they don't. And I know how the system works. I'm not sick enough yet to make any of the tests positive. I'm in the prodromal phase. Keep monitoring. So how did I finally get diagnosed? Well, I was a good patient and I followed up. My rheumatologist had moved, so I saw someone else. I actually went in with a chip on my shoulder. What brings you in? I think I have scleroderma, but all my testing is negative and no one else knows what I have. But now my hands are stiff and contracted and my forearms are so tight. So I really do think I have scleroderma and I was just wondering what you think. She takes a look at my hands. And I know that even when I feel like I'm dying, I present as really well appearing. I don't complain. I hold it together. I go to work and I take care of people and I come home and I take care of my family because that's what we do. So preemptively, I say, now the swelling has decreased. I've worked really hard on taking care of myself, so I look and feel really pretty good right now. I know what my triggers are, though, so if you want, I can put myself into a flare and I can come back in and you can see how sick I look. That's when she said, I believe you. That simple phrase gave me permission to believe myself. Five months ago, I was diagnosed with a systemic form of scleroderma. My own journey of uncertainty pushed me into the mature adult phase of the parent-child relationship. I'm now middle-aged in the relationship with my parents in this house of medicine, and a lot has changed from when I was a kid. For those of you who are middle-aged, doesn't it feel like life just booted you there? Anyway, as a mature adult child, we don't get mad at our parents for not knowing the right way to help us. Well, let's just say that's the goal anyway. We see them as human as people trying the best they can with what they know. I want to make sure this doesn't come across as a misdiagnosis story. 
no one was negligent or malintended in any way. This is just the way it happens sometimes. Things are not missed so much as they are hard to diagnose. Sometimes exams and tests are normal. Sometimes we need more time for diseases to evolve and help us figure out what's going on. We do want to do something to make the patient feel better though, right? So we try to be positive. When we say everything looks normal, we intend to be reassuring. But as a patient, it sounds dismissive. So as a patient and a doctor, what would I suggest instead? Be vulnerable. Be okay to be uncomfortable in the uncertainty. I don't know. And the story does not end here. Do what you can do. Offer treatments and symptom relief and a plan for follow-up. Who should the patient go see? Keep reevaluating. If it gets better, great. If not, we'll keep thinking together. Here's where promise comes in. If you're a patient, and we're all patients, I ask you to promise to believe yourself. You are the expert of what you feel in your body. Advocate for yourself just like when parents advocate for their children. If you're a caregiver, and we're all caregivers, when you're with someone who's going through a hard time and you don't know what to do, don't let them be alone. I'll end with a favorite quote from my life coach, Ted Lasso. After the team loses a big game and everyone's in the locker room just defeated, he says, I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks because I promise you there is something worse out there than being sad and that's being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Promise to believe them. Promise to be with them. Because even if you cannot shed light on the journey ahead, you can be with each other in the darkness. Thank you. Wow, Beth, that was that was incredible. And um, I, I just simply want to say thank you. I, I worry that any anything else would take away from, from what you just said. So why don't we plan on just leaving it there? Um, Feel a big hug from everybody out there listening, and um, we'll catch everybody on the next episode.